our most kind and gracious Heavenly Father. We thank you, Lord, with all of our hearts for your goodness and for your mercy to us. Thank you for this privilege once again to stand and to teach the Word of God. I pray, Father, this be done to your glory, not for my recognition or a pat on the back, but may it be all done for you, Father, and uh, for your honor and for your praise. Please guide us this morning, Father, as we uh, present this lesson. We pray this morning, Father, that you would uh, please remember our country this morning under this pandemic and our leadership uh, certainly needs guidance and uh, your strength to make the right decisions. We pray that you'll be with them. And remember those, Father, who are uh, ministering as doctors and nurses, first responders. We pray your protective heads to be around them. We thank you this morning, Father, and may it never be for us to take for granted that our very next breath is in your hands. In Jesus' name we pray, and amen. I'd like to speak to you this morning about forgiveness. Now these last uh, couple of lessons, we've uh, talked about relationships. The first uh, lesson that we spoke on, uh, love. Last week we spoke about encouragement and how that strengthens relationships. And today we want to talk about forgiveness and how important that that is too, to uh, nurture and save uh, relationships sometimes. A lot of things come at a high price, but they're worth it. And we put forgiveness in that high price uh, category. Forgiveness is a great investment in any relationship. Forgiveness is the stuff of healthy marriages, healthy families, and healthy churches. Relationships grow when we let go of a hurt, a wound, or a critical remark. And may the word of God this morning remove any remnants of resentment and unforgiveness. Often Satan attacks us right through the, these type of things right here, where we'll hold a grudge, we'll be angered at someone and we need to let it go. We need to forgive them and move on. And in this uh, story this morning from the 18th chapter of the book of Matthew, Jesus is teaching the disciples about forgiveness. And Peter has a question that may have been inspired by uh, the Lord's teaching. And we'll get to these verses here in a moment. Even in the best of relationships, we will hurt or disappoint each other. It's often easy to forgive a misunderstanding or an unintentional mistake, but it's harder when the person knows better and does it anyway. Or it's a repeated blunder done again and again, and sometimes the hurt done is truly damaging. Some of us become hesitant to forgive because by doing so, it feels like we're saying what happened was okay. But just as Jesus forgave us, we are to forgive others. Now the setting for this lesson this morning, Jesus had given instruction as how to deal with believers 
who sin against other believers. And that's in verses 15 through 20 in chapter 18 in the book of Matthew. While reconciliation was the goal, Jesus' instructions anticipated that there would be times when the sinner might not be willing to be reconciled and the church would need to discipline that person. In light of Jesus' instructions, the disciple Peter had a question concerning exactly how many times he was required to forgive a fellow believer who had sinned against him. Now Peter had understood Jesus' teaching on forgiveness and he had taken it to heart. He believed it. But the Jewish rabbis of that day taught that three times was the maximum number of times that one should forgive and, and four was going to be over the limit. Now in verse 21, we'll go ahead and read these verses and see what uh, this is talking about. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brothers sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? And Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee, unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Jesus sets the bar a little higher than what Peter thought was okay. Oftentimes we think that what we, uh, our take on God's word is sufficient. But Jesus sets the, the bar higher as we see in that verse. Now in verse 23, this is a parable now, and this is a story given. This is not a factual or an actual story, but it's a story told with the intent of teaching a lesson, and that's what this is. It's fictional, possibly, but Jesus uses strong words here to convey a point that he wanted to teach uh, the disciples. Verse 23, Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him ten thousand talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife, and children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion, and loosed him, and forgave him the debt. Anyone that's familiar with these passages know who the king is here and uh, how this relates to us. We have a couple more verses here and we'll uh, come back to the beginning of it. In verse 28, 
But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. And he laid on hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. Now we're going to go to verse 32. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, because thou desiredest me. Verse 33. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth, and delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. We stopped here with verse 28. What happened here leading up to verse 32? This servant had been forgiven all. The king had forgiven, forgiven him of his debt. He's free to go. He goes out and in verse 30, in verses 30, or 29, 30, and 31, he laid hands on one of his fellow servants who owed him a small amount of money. And uh, when the other servants of the kingdom heard what this guy had done after having been forgiven of so much, went and told the king. And this is the king's response to this man unjustly not forgiving the man that had such a small debt. Jesus said, I say not unto thee until seven times, but unto seven times seven. Does that mean then 490 times and then we're done forgiving? No. That number is given to indicate to us that there is no limit on our forgiveness. That we should... Uh, <clears throat> the grace that we offer to others should have no limits, no exceptions. Now what are some of the things here? Let's just, to lighten this up a little bit, from 1 to 10, which of these things here would be easy to forgive or very difficult to forgive, being a 10? How about if someone cuts you off in traffic, 1 to 10? Someone robs your home. How about someone gets credit for your work? Someone gossips about you. Someone hurts one of your children. Someone lies to you. Or how about somebody forgot your birthday? I think that would be pretty easy to forget. But some of these other ones are not as easy to forget. 
And we need to pray each and every day to ask God for the grace to forgive even the most difficult situation and pray that he might receive the glory. Sometimes things happen or we get news or wind of something that happened that involves us and we're furious. We've got a grudge on our heart. We need to let it go. And it may not be instantaneous. We may need to pray. Ask God to take away that unforgiving spirit. And he will do, will do that. In your lesson book, it gives the example of Corey Ten Boom. She was a Nazi uh, Holocaust survivor out of her family, her Jewish family. She was the only one that survived. And after the war and uh, in years past, she has been on a speaking tour uh, around the world sharing with people her experience in the death camp there in uh, Nazi Germany. A after a speech that she had gave in Munich, she was uh, welcoming people to come and speak, speak to her and congratulate her. And uh, one of the former guards came up to her and congratulated her on her, uh, her speech and she remembered him instantly. He was one of the cruelest guys in this death camp that he hung around the delousing showers and watched the women as they would be deloused from time to time. And he had asked her if she would forgive him. And the story says that her hand froze. But in that moment, she prayed and uh, God freed up her arm and she was able to extend her hand and tell this guy that, that he was forgiven, that she forgave him. And the man had also become a Christian uh, after his experience in the war as well. He said he knew that he was forgiven, but he wanted to know if she would forgive him, and she did. What happens when we forgive someone? That doesn't mean that we forget, because we'll always have that memory in our heart. But when we forgive and forget, we let go of that pain. We're not carrying that around with us all the time. Oftentimes, your unforgiveness of someone, who, who hurts for that? You do. The person that you... Uh, haven't forgiven, they may be completely unaware. They may think that everything's just fine. But you carry this around, and every time you see them, you're reminded of it. You're hunched over with it, carrying it. Let it go. <clears throat> Pardon me. We need to ask God also to help the members of our group identify those that we need to forgive. Do you have anyone this morning that you're harboring a grudge against or uh, have indifference with? And what about people that we need to seek forgiveness from? Maybe we've done something and uh, we need to ask someone's forgiveness. We need to thank God for the forgiveness 
that he has given us through Jesus. A while back, I have a, a guy that I go to that put our water system in. And I'm, not, I'm just going to tell you this little story. I'm not real fond of him. He talks a lot. He talks too much. But I've done business with him. He put our water system in, and I pick up, uh, buy water softener salt from him for my system. So that means I go over there every couple of months and pick up my water softener salt. Well, the last couple of times that I had been there, I wasn't very friendly to him. And uh, the last time that I went over, I apologized to him. And I asked him to forgive me for not being friendly to him. And uh, he said that, that that was perfectly fine. He was okay with that. But I felt so much better after I left, after uh, asking him to forgive me, and uh, kind of kind of ashamed to tell you that, but that was my experience. <clears throat> How, uh, what can happen when we forgive someone? Well, as I said, we, we can let go of that, that burden, so to speak. Now, Jesus' point here in setting the number at 490 was not that we might lose track, but he intended that we should not keep track of the number of times that we forgive our brother. If forgiveness is true forgiveness, then we forgive and forget, but that we do not hold previous forgiven offenses against our brother. If we forgive someone, forgive them from your heart. Just don't say that and not mean it, but a genuine uh, from your heart. Once we truly forgive someone, then the next time that person sins against us and ask our forgiveness, it's like the first time and not like build up if we allow it. In Jesus' teachings here too, he sought to move the disciples beyond the accepted norms of the day in which man has placed humanly attainable limits on God's unlimited attributes. That's what we like to do. God has unlimited resources. He's given us the ability to forgive, but we want to put a, a limit on it, a, a human limit. We need to allow God to work through our spiritual ideals that were humanly possible. The Jewish rabbis had placed a limit of three on the number of times we should forgive a brother. But we should forgive and we should keep on forgiving as long as a brother sins against us and asks our forgiveness. And as human nature dictates, our brother will continue to sin against us, and we will continue to sin against our brother. We need to constantly ask and seek forgiveness. Some of the lasting truths from these verses. It's our personal responsibility to forgive a brother who sins against us and ask for our forgiveness. We should not count the times a brother sins against us and we forgive him 
there should be no limit to the number of times we forgive a brother. Therefore is the kingdom of God, or kingdom of heaven, likened unto a certain king. Kingdom of heaven, you might as well say, is Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God, and which would take account of his servants, is another word for judgment. One of these days, the righteous judge, the God of this universe, is going to take an account. And for believers, we have been forgiven of our sins. But for the unbelievers, God is going to take an account of his, uh, this world. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed 10,000 talents. To simplify this and not to mathematically figure this up, let's just call it $10 million. The next verse tells us that he had not to pay. How's this servant going to pay an amount like this? He only made one pence, I think, a day, like a penny a day. This, is, uh, this would be like you or me being asked to pay the national debt. That's not going to happen. Now, how would this servant have gotten himself in such a situation? He undoubtedly, along with other servants, maybe worked in the financial aspect of this king's kingdom. He may have been one of a distribution of funds. Maybe he paid the bills or sent out uh, payments for the king or took in uh, payments to the king. But somewhere along the line, maybe he embezzled. And now when the books are opened, we see that he's, he owes $10 million. He's in big trouble. And that the royal decree says that this debt must be paid. We had a sin debt that must be paid. And Jesus paid it all at Calvary for those who believe and have received Jesus Christ uh, into their hearts. The servant fell down. And worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. How good is his word there? How's he going to even think to begin to pay such an incredible debt? My friend, this morning, how in the world do you think that you could pay the incredible sin debt that you owed the Lord Jesus Christ? We couldn't even begin to even come close and that's what this story is teaching here but notice here too that the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgive him that debt that's what God has done for us this morning he has had compassion on us he has loosed us from sin, that we are no longer under the penalty of sin, and we have been forgiven the debt. We have been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. 
we have been forgiven. God wants us to imitate the forgiveness that he has given us. That when we are wronged or unjustly done by someone else, we need to forgive them such as God has forgiven us. But notice here in this lesson, what does this servant do? He went out and found one of his fellow servants, Maybe someone just like him. Maybe someone that worked in his department. Which owed him a hundred pence. And for the sake of this story, we'll just call that about $17. Laid hands on him, took him by the throat, and paid me that that thou owest. Demanding payment. Shouldn't he have had a change of heart in seeing how the king had forgiven him such an incredible debt and let him go? Shouldn't we this morning too have in our hearts to be so grateful unto the king, king of kings, that he has forgiven us of our debt that we couldn't have paid and a debt that he didn't owe? that we might extend that grace to someone else? Think about it. We should and should be willing to. He had compassion. Having compassion meant that the master was moved deeply by the desperate state of his servant. He allowed the servant's hopelessness to stir his heart in an understanding and merciful way. And this same word is often used to describe Jesus and his attitude toward the needs of his people. Jesus was always filled with compassion to everyone that he met. And his compassion was often illustrated by acts of kindness and uh, the things that he did. It was more than an inward feeling. He acted on that feeling by ministering to the person or the people in need. He forgave the unpayable loan, just as Jesus has forgave us of our unpayable loan. God had looked upon our hopeless condition, has felt great compassion, and has acted in mercy. And in Colossians uh, chapter 1, verse 14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. <clears throat> in an astonishing act of grace and mercy, the king relieved the man of his responsibility and pardoned, it to, and pardoned the debt, all of it. Similarly, our debt of rebellion and offense against God is so huge, it would be an impossible feat for us to pay off the debt 
But Jesus paid the debt in full for us, and God has forgiven the debt. We do not deserve forgiveness, but God in His grace and mercy has extended forgiveness to us through Jesus. We are free. What are some of the obstacles that hinder us from forgiving other people? Well, we cop that attitude. We, we become judge and jury. They don't deserve it, forgive, forgiveness for what they've done. You, can you believe what they said and what they did and how this has affected me? Are you crazy? You think I'm forgiving them for that? Better back up a minute, partner, and think about what God has forgiven you. All the things that you've done. All the things that you've done in secret that nobody knows about. Think about how God, how Jesus has forgiven you of those things. And it makes it a little easier to forgive someone else. Your fellow servant, so to speak, such as we see in the story here. The king set the man free from his huge debt. He was allowed to run free, but sadly he ran in the wrong direction. He ran after someone who owed him money, and the second man's debt was not small, but it was insignificant compared to the debt that was just canceled. How do the king's actions in this parable mirror God's actions towards us? That's exactly what God has done for us. He has forgiven us of our sins. Forgiveness is not always easy, but it is always right. Only a heartless, cruel person would make a friend pay a petty bill in the wake of his own extravagant pardon. We need to pay it forward, so to speak. As children of a compassionate Father, we must find it in our hearts to forgive. We need to be forgiven, and we need to become forgivers. This means more than a one-time transaction. It means that we strive to continually forgive and clear the hurts that hold us back. Forgiveness is costly, too. After all, look at what it costs Jesus. The extravagant form of forgiveness Jesus calls for is only possible when performed as an act of worship. Forgiveness is not an emotional reaction to a person, but a grateful response to our loving Lord. We forgive for His sake as an offering to Him who has forgiven us. What are some of the ways that you have been hurt or offended? This is at the back of this lesson. How about betrayal? How about hurtful words someone maybe has spoke? The unkept promises. Do you have any unkept promises? How about the lies? Anybody lied on you? How about bullying someone? How about being shut out from friendships? You're not included anymore. 
How about physically being harmed or being treated unfairly? What would it cost you to forgive the person who has hurt you? We would have to humble ourselves and go to that person. What did it cost God for him to forgive you? It cost him his son, Jesus Christ, dying on the cross is what it cost him. What could be the reward of forgiving someone? God may bless you in a way that you couldn't even contain to be set free from that burden of carrying around that spirit of, of unforgiveness. You can be set free to love that person and maybe even reestablish a relationship with them if you could let go of the, the unforgiveness. I have a couple verses in this book I'd like to share with you here. That in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 30 through 32, we are admonished, admonished, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. And Paul also instructs the Christians in Rome that they be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honor, preferring one another. Each of us who name the name of Jesus and who are truly born again should pray daily. Lord, make me meek and lowly in heart and give me a forgiving spirit. We all belong to the same Lord and since we are His, because He gave so much we should and we must forgive one another. When we willingly and freely forgive one who has wronged us, we express our thanksgiving to God, our gratitude for His forgiveness toward us. How much shall we forgive? We are to forgive all. And notice our forgiveness must be from the heart. We must forgive as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven us. Pray this morning that if you have anything that you maybe need to seek someone's forgiveness, that the Lord may lay that to your heart and that you could be reconciled in some of the relationships that may be uh, strained here this morning. You pray and the Lord will reveal to you those that, that need to be attended to. I thank you so much for your patience with me this morning.
And uh, may the Lord watch over you this week, and may God bless you. Thank you.